This gospel message is brought to you by the redeemed Christian Church of God, Fountain of Love, Aberdeen, UK. Open your heart to receive this life-changing Word of God. Today, and I'm sure it's not finished with us yet in Jesus' name. Okay, um, we just quickly go to the scriptures and then we'll talk from there. Please turn your Bibles to... Numbers chapter 14, and we read verses 1 to 10. So if you put Numbers chapter 14, verses 1 to 10 on the screen, in our usual manner, if we may just read together, please. One to go, Numbers 10, verse 1. Numbers 14, verse 1, sorry. One to go. So all the congregation lifted up their voices and cried. And the people wept that night. And all the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron, and the whole congregation said to them, If only we had died in the land of Egypt, or if only we had died in the wilderness, why has the Lord brought us to this land to fall by the sword, that our wives and children should become victims? Will it not be better for us to return to Egypt? So they said to one another, let us a leader and return to Egypt. Then Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before all the assembly of the congregation of the children of Israel. But Joshua the son of Nun and Caleb the son of Jephne, who were among those who spied out the land, tore their clothes. Only do not rebel against the Lord, nor fear the people of the land, for they are. Mm. Hallelujah. Do not fear them. And all the congregation said, Stone them with stones. Now the glory of the Lord appeared in the tabernacle of meeting before all the children of Israel. May the Lord bless the reading and the hearing of his word in Jesus' name. I surely believe you followed that passage as we read through. And there's so much to take in there. The truth of the matter is that the children of Israel, they face danger. The background to that story was that they went to spy the land of Canaan that God promised them. And when they got there, they found that there were giants and forces that were so great that were in the land. Forces that were too great for them. So the truth of the matter is that they had problems. They had problems that they did not know existed before. They were walking in the wilderness, eating manna. When they wanted meat, God gave them meat until they got tired of meat. But that was not going to last forever. There needs to be necessity that they enter the land that the Lord promised them. And so in the course of time, God told them they need to go and enter the land. And suddenly, they went to spy. And on spying the place, 
They saw what they did not prepare for. What did they see? They saw giants. What did they see? They saw people that were mighty warriors who had been conquering the neighboring lands. Now, they didn't say they saw a giant. They saw giants. You can imagine you enter into a territory. All the people you see, they were all six foot ten and above. And then there you were. You were the average height of five something. And of course, their faith began to fail. Their confidence began to wane. And in the usual manner, they did what human beings do. And I know we all can, you know, sometimes identify with that. Sometimes things that you don't even know existed, and you decide to look into it, and you discover oh, something is in here. Some are running away from screening because you just don't want to know. You know, you get the letters from the hospital, they say come for screening, and it's typical of human beings because, you know, the last person that went for screening, the person came back with a bad report. And you are saying, I'd rather not. Remember many times we've called in this place that we want to do some screening or blood test or whatever people say, spare me. Even to check blood pressure. You say, well, I don't know what I will find. (laughs) Truly, ignorance could have been bliss for the children of Israel. But sometimes the knowledge that we have can be counterproductive and can be something that we are very scared of. Hallelujah. And of course, when they face the danger they faced, they had only the same option that every human being has. Normally, our options are not many as human beings. I hope you know that. Whenever you face a problem, your options are not many. You can dice it whichever way you like. Your options are usually three. Number one, when you face an opposition, you can stay where you are and not move. That is, well, I'm not going to improve myself. This is where I am. I'm not moving. Number two, when you face an opposition in life, you can decide to go forward and confront the opposition. Or, as they did in their own case, you can just turn back and run. Everything we face in life can fall into those three categories. I've been looking for a job. I'm not finding any job. Well, I'll just stay where I am. I can't try anymore. Trying has been discouraging me. Or I can even run out of the country, go to another country. And you can multiply the examples like that. But that's not where we're going today. After they've assessed all the three options that they had as human beings, and they decided to take option three, then Caleb and Joshua introduced a new dimension. It was as if they asked the people that, look, we know you have done all the SWOT analysis of our problem. We know you have checked the strength and the weakness and the usuals. And now, but have you also, and they look perfect, all that you have done. We know that they are giants. We know the land is good. We know that the benefits are not big enough to risk our lives about and the lives of our children. Yes, there are benefits in the land. Thank God for Sorry, what is that? Thank God for fruits and grapes and bounty. But I'm not going to kill my wife and children for that. I'd rather eat what I find in the wilderness. So thank you, um, friends, that you made the right decision. But your decision is flawed somewhere. And that's going to be our topic today. Your decision is flawed. And the Lord is challenging every one of us that many a times we sit down, we, we weigh the options, and we come up with our decision. But usually there's a flaw in that decision. And the flaw that's usually in our decision is the challenge that Jacob and Joshua gave unto them. I believe, in another word, Joshua asked them a question. Haven't said and done all you have done. 
Where is God in all this? Where is God? Yes, there are giants. Yes, there are this. And this is where is God? It's a question the non-Christians have been asking us. It's a question that those that don't accept the gospel have been asking us. In actual fact, we should ask them that question. He said, if there is God, where is it that a child should have this condition or that terminal condition? Well, that is not the question. That where is God? We don't ask God. We don't ask us a rhetorical question. It's you that we ask, where is God in that circumstance? Where is God in our formulation of answer to the problem that we are seeing? Because the where is God is the other way around. We can say, where is God? We know it's not so much a where is God that it has not happened. The thing, that the thing has happened, but where is God? In our thinking and our evaluation of the problem. And that seems so simple, but so missing in my thoughts. And possibly your thoughts. We all do face danger and fear. And this morning we were talking about that. There are some of these things that we face in life, we can't afford to deny them. Do you fear at all? Do you fear? Are you sure? You are not immune from fear. And that is human. There's nothing wrong about it. But the question is that when you face fear... In all your calculations, is there God in it? When you weigh things here and there, and so in seven few areas, there are probably 10, there are probably 20 of them. I just like seven areas where we must ask ourselves the question, where is God in all this? Amen. And you must learn to ask yourself that question. When someone has just bounced you, when someone has just given you a report, and we go down the route and start thinking, stop yourself, midstream, and say, oh, God, before I go too far, let's see where I've placed God in all this. Wherever you place him. Ah, oh, believe you me, oh, don't tell me that. You see some of the points that some of the times we even think we place God there, God is not there as we ought to have put him there. Number one, when you have just faced a major disappointment and you are crestfallen, ask yourself, where is God in my analysis? You've just faced a major disappointment and you are crestfallen. Anything it could be. Sometimes it could be something that is terminal, like sickness. Something that is terminal, like death. Something that is, you know, there's no reverse onto it. And the next thing is that, where is God in my analysis? In all that I've decided to do and, 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 and I'm planning to go far from here. Where is God? In my analysis. In Matthew chapter 14, verses 8 to 10. Matthew 14, verses 8 to 10. Interesting story. Interesting story. There was this situation in which um, John the Baptist um, was so persecuted that he was murdered by the state. It was... It was um, you know, it was, what do they call it now? Uh, when you, um, judicial murder. It was a judicial murder. You can't call it execution because it wasn't tried. You can't call it a punishment. It was a judicial murder. The judicial murder is that an authority uh, can give order that they should go and kill someone. And therefore, it's counted in heaven as murder. Anyway, long and short of it, he was killed. But this guy happened to be the cousin of our Lord Jesus Christ, the first cousin. And so where many times when we think Jesus didn't go through bereavement, he went through bereavement, you know. He went through a very bad one. A young man like him, you know, just six months between them. So when this guy was killed, he was just 33 and a half years. The very age that he himself had to leave the world. 
And there he was. His life was cut short. Jesus was affected by it. But one thing the Lord did was that he factored in God in his analysis. Yes, John the Baptist is God. And the Bible tells us that Jesus decided to go into a solitary place alone to go and mourn his first cousin that was killed. In the midst of that, people started rushing unto him to ask that, you know, um, he should come and minister unto them. And Jesus stood up and still ministered unto them. You know the reason? Because in his eventual analysis of the disaster that has befallen him, there was God in his analysis. Include God in your analysis. It's never finished as long as God is there. He has a way of turning it around. He has a way of making it turn as well. Where is God? It's a tough question you and I, we should ask ourselves. Where is God? The same thing happened unto, Moses, unto, unto David. He was praying for his child not to die. Hard truth. Unfortunately, the child died. And they were surprised. They said, hold on, we're confusing us here. In Second Samuel chapter 14. He said, you are confusing us here. Chapter 12, 18 to 20. You are confusing us here. Before the child that you are fasting and praying, the child is dead now. And we told you that the child is dead. The, you know, God decided not to preserve the life of the boy. And here you are. You are eating and drinking and washing yourself. And the man said, I factored God in my analysis. With God, it's not the end of story yet. With God, there are still other things. There, are, there, are st- there is still life after death. And the man spoke. He said, well, the boy will not come back to me, but I will go to him. So he prophesied that he will meet the boy on the other side. Let God be in our analysis. Let God be factored in. Remember the early stages of this place. I've had a lot of disappointment. I I give you the stories, bits and pieces. I gave you the story one time of, you know, when we couldn't pay, when the contractors were due to be paid and all the rest of that. But that was not all the end of the story. Very, you know, fury number we were, you know, people gave sacrificially and we did our level best to make the best of decisions. But in the midst of it, some things were beyond your control. And one of the things that were beyond our control was that even though we inspected the roof and we found out it was okay for us to use it and we can manage it, but we didn't have enough money to deal with it at that time. One of the Sundays I came in very early into this place. I discovered that on that side, where there's the gallery now, the, the gallery extension, the whole roof had caved down. The whole hall has been flooded with water. Oh, I wasn't amused at all. And I was the only one in the building. Shall we hold service or not hold service? Oh, well, it's not a disappointment of XP proportion. But at that moment, I made up my mind. There's still God in this situation. I still know there's a way out of this situation. I didn't go anywhere grumbling or crying. Thank God. I think, you know, Damian Denny, the younger ones who were with me that morning, grabbed the bucket. Before people came in, the only thing they saw, they just saw a hole there. They didn't know that half of this hole was filled already. Clear the mess away. God is in the situation. Over the period of time, the roof is clear. Some of you remember, maybe you do remember, every one of these stars used to have dots there before. Now, you know that story that is telling me? No matter how or repaired you think your life is, one day is coming. There will be no sign that the roof of your life was leaking before. Because it got to the point and then God provided resources. Then we cladded the whole place, not a single drop of water. People around, they were looking, what is the secret? Well, because we factored God in when we had a disappointment. Oh, that was disappointing. Remember those days? Yes, this same place you are sitting down. You may not know the story. Those days, buckets everywhere. 
And yet we spend good money. Oh, I could have run out of town. The only place there's nowhere I can run. Just like Peter said, he said, Master, we wanted to run, but we checked we can't run. You won't have to run. I said, you won't have to run. So when we are faced with disappointment, brethren, factor God in. Amen? Number two, when fear paralyzes because of the level of what is required of you. When fear paralyzes you because of the level of what is required of you, where is God in your assessment? And that was Numbers chapter 14, verses 1 to 10. Of course, they couldn't have taken the giants down in their own strength. And it took only two out of the whole congregation of 600,000 men, as the Bible mentioned unto us in the book of Genesis, or in the book of Exodus. Took only two of them, possibly plus, definitely plus Moses and Aaron, four only, that were able to say, well done for all your analysis, but there's still God. Let's factor him in here. And brethren, you know, I was listening to something yesterday and it touched my heart. You know, there's a, wide, there's a wide gap between having a clear conviction and having the strength to go and execute the vision. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And many at times we leave people, have this vision. And after they've had the vision, to now step up because problem. It's so clear, you know, that this is what you have to do. But the strength to do it is not there. And usually it takes divine empowerment. It takes God coming in to move you. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, and we read verses 1 to 4. Use the message version, and it makes it a little bit clearer. We're talking today is that where is God in all this? Amen? And it's a question for you. Not a question for another. It's not a question for God. It's you. You ask yourself. Chris, after you are all said and done, where is God? Where is God? Verse 1. You will remember, friends, that when I first came to let you in on God's masterstroke, Oh, that's a message for you with a lot of hyperbole. Just, just handle that. That's some important part I want you to see. I didn't try to impress you with polished speeches and the latest philosophy. Verse 2, please. I deliberately kept it plain and simple. First, Jesus and who he is. Then, Jesus and what he did. That is, Jesus crucified. Verse 3. Verse 4, please. Uh, 3. I was unsure of how to go about this. And felt totally inadequate. I was scared to death. If you want the truth of it. That's why sometimes most, most of us, when we act religious, God is taking us to the place of sincerity. Authenticity. I'm not messing around. I am so plain and clear. Not just, just talking Christianese. We do fear. We do doubt. We do have concerns. Learn to deal with them. And stop, let's stop faffing around. People outside, they will listen clearly to us more when we know they are, we are genuine and we are authentic. I don't mind this puppy willy-nilly. I mount it trepidatiously, knowing that if God does not show up, all of you will be disinterested in what I'm saying and you will just look away. Every moment I kept praying because I come with trepidation and fear. I was scared. Come on, go back to verse 4. Don't move until I ask you to move. Verse 3, I meant. Please go back to verse 3. I said verse 4. I was unsure of how to go about this. Hallelujah. I felt totally inadequate. Who was speaking? Who was speaking? Who was Paul? Apostle. Which type of apostle? Top level apostle. 
I'm not an apostle. If apostle feared, if apostle is scared, if you are scared, don't worry. Is, somebody, is that making sense to somebody? Those are the people God decides to help. Not those ones who pretend as if everything is hunky-dory. God desires truth in the inward part. That's what the psalmist call it. He also said another one. He said, the time is coming when they worship me, they shall worship the Lord in spirit and in truth. For such God desire to worship him. Truthful worship is this is who I am, Lord. So when you are scared, and scared to death, there's, you, there's nothing wrong with that. But verse 4 is the answer. That's where you ask that question. What does it say in verse 4? And so nothing I said could have impressed you or anyone else. But the message came through anyway. Preachers go and read this very well. The message did what? Came through anyway, even though I stammered through it. And week in week, I don't think I, do, I get shocked. You came by when we do review next Sunday. When someone was saying the topic of vision, I said, Touch you? Are you serious? And I was in the bush when I kept telling you that I didn't even, I wasn't sure you are getting it. That means nothing I said actually could have impressed you. It's not what I said. But the message came to the word anyway. God's spirit and God's power. What? Well, who did it? Who did it? Those of you that are bloated, let me put pain in your bubble now. Let me punch out that balloon that uh, somebody said the problem, human beings were peculiar. The only group of animals or creatures, when you pat their head, what happened? So when you pat their back, what gets swollen? Their head. It's a very funny creation. When you pat their back, their head gets swollen. It's God that does it. Put God in your assessment. Amen. You have that business you want to start. You don't know how you're going to go about it. Put God in your assessment. You've taken a new job, which we always pray about. And you know, man, oh my, this thing is tougher than I thought. Put God in your assessment. You've been given a ministry to go around with. Put God in your assessment. Because at the end of the day, it's all about the question you ask God. Where you ask yourself, after you have feared and everything, he says, now, Chris, where is God in all this your assessment? And if you can't find God in it, you need to put him somewhere at number three. Where you have tried and seem not to overcome a moral weakness and sinful habit. Where is God in your future plan? Many have given up. They just said, I can't try. See Peter. Peter denied the Lord Jesus Christ three times. When the Lord woke up, apart from the women, actually it was the first that entered into the tomb. He put his back behind, he put his past behind him. He looked at his future away from his errors. And those are the ones that God uses. Those ones that know that the God is in my future. God is ahead of me. The ones that will not tie themselves down with guilt, they will believe that God is working on their behalf. He's working for them. Because in Isaiah 41 verse 10, if we put that on the screen, please, in the New King James Version, Isaiah 41 verse 10, because it says there, a wonderful promise for us all. Isaiah 41 verse 10, Fear not, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I'm hearing somebody's amen to that. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. 
And there will be a conduction of his own righteous life into you. And it will lead you to your future. You always get angry. You don't know how you're going to get over your anger. Don't worry. See God in your future. You yourself, you know. You fight. You are proposing your heart. You know deep within you that the only thing that can destroy you is this anger. You've tried. It's not working. Some, you know, we are so petulant and so unforgiving. And you, you have traded to the fourth generation. That's how grandma is. That's how uh, mom is. Now this is me now. And every little thing they do to you, you have expert in meditation. You meditate very well over it. And then you are worried because you know it's not right. And then we're about to say, Lord, ah, this thing is not working. No, 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 no. Factor God in. Amen. Uh-huh. Factor God in. Amen. It's not supposed to work without God. You got that? It's not supposed to. If, it's, if, he, if it has worked either or without God, it is not God. If it is this Christian faith, it's the only faith in which you are told what to do and you are helped to do what you are to do. If you obey step by step. There's no other faith. If you find one, come and tell me. In terms of the moral, even in terms of the giftings, you are, there's nothing. He said we have nothing of ourselves. It's what the Lord gives us, that's what we use. So whether we are still brethren, factor God in number four. When you are doing well and you feel on top of the world, where is God in your narration? Hallelujah. Did you hear me? Because many times, the testimony we give, there is really no God there. We just join him to it. Bulk of the testimony is about how you are prayed so well. Thank God for prayer. Part of it is probably how some man of God somewhere pray for you and lay hands. Thank God for men of God. But God himself doesn't seem to be in it. So in your narration, let God be there. In the testimony, let God be there. Give the glory and, and honor to him. Acts chapter 12, verses 21 to 23. Acts chapter 12, verse 21. Acts 12, 21. Just a quick story there. So on a set day, Herod, arrayed in royal apparel, sat on his throne and gave an oration to the people. And the people kept shouting, the voice of a God and not of a man. Verse 23, then immediately an angel of the Lord struck him because he did not give glory to God. And he was eaten by worms and died. Please, if people are praising you too much, either you leave, tell them to stop it. If they don't stop it, if you have the opportunity, stand up and tell the people that it's got, they are on their own. It's got nothing to do with you. If you don't have the opportunity, leave the place and wash your hand clean. Can I hear, hear amen onto that one? Yeah. God is still doing the same thing today. You may not see physical worms eating people, but people are dying young because of this thing. You hearing me? Believe you me. I have spiritual evidence to tell you. People are dying young because of this very thing. When they praise you and you don't shift their blessing back onto God. And all you self-made men and women in this room, God help you. All this money, why should he, why should they ask for my money? I work for it. I, after all, I, um, I, were they there when I labored? I'm a self-made person. I don't owe anybody. Amen. May the Lord have mercy. Please be careful. Let God be in your narration. 
No matter what you are saying. And don't sit down there saying you've been doing it well enough. Do it better. Because there's every tendency in this room and says to that people, oh, that's not for me. It's for you. It's for me. If you follow even the steps I've mentioned, when people are singing your praises and you have not stood up to say, stop. You have taken the praise. And everyone has ticked it. If not for grace, I don't know how many of us will still be standing. I don't know. Number five, when people resist you and threaten you, and it seems like they will swallow you up, where is God in your equation? When people threaten you and they resist you, and it seems like they will swallow you up, don't go around fearing all is over. It's not over. And that daily happens. Our first instinct is that we take God out of the equation. There was a young boy called David in 1 Samuel chapter 23. 1 Samuel chapter 23, verse 14. 1 Samuel 23, verse 14. And David stayed in strongholds in the wilderness and remained in the mountains in the wilderness of Ziph. Saul sought him every day. Wow. There's a but in life. Thank God for but. Somebody say but. Saul sought him what? Every day. Nine to five. Possibly nine to midnight. Saul wakes up every morning. Only one duty with an army to kill this boy. I don't know who's been chasing you. I don't know who's been on your case. In the place of work. In your family. That's their only duty. They wake up in the morning. And they close at five. Only one duty. Seeking to bring you down. And when they finish the day duty. They also have night duty. Those ones will resume. Around quarter to midnight. Until dawn. David factored God in. God was in the equation. That's why God did not deliver him to his son. He will not deliver you. Are you hearing me? Some of what we are inside now, I believe the Spirit of the Lord is saying that is what is happening. People have been resuming on your case daily. They've made up their mind. They say as long as they lived that the person will not break through. But everybody say, but... Everybody say, but God did not deliver you into their hand. May God open our eyes to see. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, against power and principality. Are you old enough in the knowledge of the Lord to know that we live in a very evil world? And somebody keeps saying, but I've done nothing wrong to them. Ha! Somebody said, It's like uh, the cow say is vegetarian, and therefore the lion should not attack it. <laughs> so I've not eaten any other meat now. So lion, why are you attacking me? No, it doesn't work like that. It's not got. It's got nothing to do with. 
But you need to wash your hands clean. If your hands are clean, that butt will work for you. Oh, issues are going on. We're talking about the story yesterday. Issues everywhere. Talking about the story yesterday. Testimony not very far from home. Serious pressure at work. It was very clear. These people were diabolical. Men actually are falling in the same system before, and they couldn't progress. It was a systematic attack. And they would, they would disguise it so well that it's got something to do with individual, but not with them. Maybe they, I don't know, maybe they are occultic or they are part of one secret society. But it's been well disguised through the years. And we've traced the history. Everyone that works in those particular areas of discipline, of particular extraction, they planned for them and they cut them at a stage. And so this one came close to home as well and the problem started. But hallelujah, as it says in Acts chapter 12, but prayer was said of the church without ceasing. And as we were praying, God did not allow. How did he do it? They started feeling uncomfortable. Part of the duo will come around and feel all sorts of things in their own body. They started having on, you know, mysterious symptoms all over them. One tumbled down and whatever, uh, broke a bone. Say, so just did not know how it happened. I had understood another part of the same country here. Same set system, same system. Just to tell you, it's a systematic thing that the enemy is planning. Same thing happened. And what was the story? The one that happened not too far around me it's only that, you know, it was just all sorts of physical symptoms that made them practically losing their mind. They were, the one far down in England, same set of persecution, got to the office, sat down one day, and the whole system knew that they were persecuting this particular person. They knew that they were after this person. Sat down one day, but the factor got in. The same thing as chapter 12, but prayer was said of the church continually. Sat down, Put the head on the table and died. And they had the audacity to know, to say that they knew is this Christian. Of course, as a Christian, what do you do? If you don't understand uh, this, we call it broken English. We, you, you do what? See, see, don't look. Oh, so they told the person, prove it. Of course, my heart is pained. I'm not rejoicing. But you meant evil. They knew, they connected. Oh, you think people are not aware of what is going on? I told you stories before. Very early days of this church. Very, very early days. Can't, can't touch some finger or your fingers. A person came in, supposedly gave the life to Christ. Some of you have heard the story before. Gave her life to Christ, supposedly. But one of the guys around me, you know, can mention his own name now, Ewing, you know, she was in Sterling, and mentioned, he said, Chris, you know, this person, I said, look, the church of God is an open door. I always factor God in. Now, if I were to be going around looking for his chasing me, I won't preach, oh. You understand that? No, I'm not going to preach. Even from you that are looking so well. <laughs> I won't preach. Even though so that your amen is allowed, I say, I won't preach. Because sometimes we have some amen sometimes. Please keep saying amen. Don't, I don't know. I learned that very early in life and in ministry. 
it in God's hand. And so I did. I factored God in. And suddenly, somebody says suddenly. I also speak it in, you know what they call broken English. It remains tomorrow. <laughs> that we should put this person in water and water baptize the person. And because we've been desperate to just get this land saved. And that desperation is going to pay off. Amen. Oh, I've, I, I'm not, I, it's not blank I've been firing. We've sown. We've thrown ourselves. We use our personal resources, church resources, just to raise people up in this place, take this gospel. And I know we're going to get a reward. Amen. So very early on, we gave trust to this person, supported this person here and there. Just before the water baptism tomorrow, the person brought the tracks back to me. He said, she's not going on with water baptism anymore. I said, why? Before I started getting too sorrowful. He said, no, no, it's got nothing to do with you. He said, it's a general overseer. I said, why? 1998, 99. Number one, internet is not very well widespread. Number two, even if internet has been widespread, Redeem has not got a website. Pastor Adiboye is not well known worldwide, 1999. Why did you meet him? Of course, I didn't ask him. He looked at, she looked at me, rather. I looked at her. She knew, I knew what she was saying. And we both understood each other. And she walked away. They met in the spirit. The cover over me did not allow me to have been barbecued. Oh, yeah, you won't be here now. You won't be here now. I don't know what appeared to her. I'm not interested. So when men rise up against you, factor God in. Stop fighting yourself. He will fight for you. And victory shall be yours in Jesus' name. All right. How many have we said? When, number six. When you have prayed and it seems there is no answer, where is God in your conclusion? First Kings chapter 18. And many of us can relate unto this including yours truly standing here. Where is God in your conclusion? Before you close shop, where is God? First Kings chapter 18, please, if we may. And we go to verse 41. Verse 41. First Kings 18, 41. And say, then Elijah, you know the story, but let's read. Then Elijah said to Ahab, go up, eat and drink, for there is the sound of abundance of rain. Next verse. So Ahab went up to eat and drink, and Elijah went up to the top of Carmel. Then he bowed down on the ground and put his face between his knees. Verse 43. And said to his servant, go up now, look toward the sea. So he went up and looked and said, there is nothing. Full stop. Stay there. Understand that? Can you relate to that? This man was not praying the kind of prayer you pray here. Not the say after me prayer. Which is good. <laughs> Which is kind of okay. I, we, I think we must, get, we must, we must pray somehow. <laughs> this man, I, I wish I can. It's too big a group. I will have demonstrated what the man was doing. Because there was a time I researched it. What was Elijah? How was he praying? Elijah, we learned, was praying in the position of childbirth. In those days when they give birth, not in the comfy way you do it now. When they give birth in those days, they squat. So it was about to birth something. Like they comfort. So that position they used to give birth in those days, in the squatting position, it has a lot of 
pathophysiological advantages. Number one, it permanently increases the pressure on the inside. It opens up the back canal. You know, I can go on and on. So it was in that position. I'm very, I'm, you know, in fact, when women are there, women, if you don't want to push, you will push by force. Because it's not, you know, I can wait. They don't need to beg you to push. Because they keep you in that position. So you just want to, baby, go, 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 so I can straighten myself. That's how he was praying. Just to tell you the intensity. So compare your prayer to his own. He prayed that prayer. And what was the result? There is. That's first time. Number two, there was. Go with me now. Number three, there was. Remember, these are not just check. These are serious period. Because the man was expecting that the next time he will not get there is nothing. So you probably increase the intensity and the length. So and continually, if he started with 30 minutes, probably by the seventh time he has gone to a, a block of three hours, maybe five hours solid. Do you, do, do, do you see yourself and myself now? No, do you sincerely, do you see yourself and myself? I've been praying, no result. Do you see now? And it's not to bring out that guilt, just to tell you that God, if we factor him and we don't draw the wrong conclusion, we will get the right answer at the end. And the man kept saying, well, go. And the Holy Spirit is telling me to tell you, do what? Telling me to tell you to do what? Go again. Verse 44. Verse 44, please, upstairs. Thank you. Then it came to pass the seventh time. We had a message recently that this is our seventh season. That it is now. We had it from the, by the special grace of God, the head of Radio Christian Church of God in the UK, our special start to the general overseer. He got a word from the Lord for us. He said, this is our seventh season. So don't be afraid. I say, ah, why will I start from number one? <laughs> the Lord has said, has added together. Amen. This is our seventh season. Amen. Then it came to pass the seventh time that he said, there is a cloud covering the sky. Huh? There is a cloud dark in the sky, huh? There is a cloud as, as. They were not giants, I don't know who is the biggest in this room. I don't want to embarrass anybody. Solomon, you are not small. I'm not saying you are big. Neither is dummy. Even if you volunteer your hand for them to see, they can have an idea of how big that patch of cloud was. In a blanket of blue sky, touching ground on both sides, on all sides, on the four corners, blue sky touching ground, just a patch of cloud. Your patch of cloud is in the sky. It was just rising out of the sea. So he said, go up, say to Hehab. Prepare your chariot and go down before the rain stops. Which rain? 
Which rain? A cloud? A patch of cloud? Something is telling on the inside of you that this is your time. That the time of waiting is over. Don't discountenance it. It is indeed. It's our seventh season. Verse 45, please, if we may. Now it happened in the meantime that the sky, ha, ha, ha. The man's step was, was following. Some was after seven solid sessions of prayer. Only you got is a tiny improvement. That child we've been believing for, only I got a tiny improvement. He said, Lord, all this prayer, I know her. No, 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 no. That's the time to begin to dance. Because the fullness will follow immediately after that. Now it happened in the meantime that the sky became black with clouds. And wind. And there was a heavy rain. There was a heavy rain. The windows of heaven are opening. And the rain will fall in the name of the Lord Jesus. Factor God in. And it seems you prayed as if, let him be your conclusion. Don't close shop. God is still working. And finally, when nations are in turmoil, my time is up, and it looks like all hope is lost. Where is God in your calculation? Oh, this nation. We're going to have a meeting, I think, on the 6th. I don't know, one of the days in, in February. Uh, there's this organization called the Christian Institute, and they are so concerned about all the unrighteous laws that are being made affecting families or whatever. And, uh, you know, it listed a few things that are there. At the end of the day, as much as we meet, we know that why, do, why, why, why are the evenings raging? Psalm 2, start from verse 1 quickly for me, and we close with that one. Psalm 2, please, if we may, start from verse 1. And say, why do nations rage and the people plot a vain thing? Why they say they have this agenda, this pressure group, that pressure group. Verse 2, the kings of the heart set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed. Saying, verse 3, let us break their bonds in places and cast away their cause from us. Verse 4, please, if we may, he who sits in the heavens shall laugh. The Lord shall hold them in derision. Then he shall speak to them in his wrath and distress them in his displeasure. That's what he will do. Factor God in. Which cloud? Which religious pressure group are saying they're going to take up the world? God is on the throne. God is in our calculation. United Kingdom will not be taken over by any other religion. Ain't gonna happen. If it only remains the prayer of a few of us, we will pray it. And more people are praying. Put God in your calculation. Conclusion. Conclusion is never conclude a matter. Until you have answered the question, where is God in all this? Amen? Is God absent in your calculation? Is God diminished in your calculation? Or is God exalted in your calculation? If he's exalted, you can be sure the result is glorious. Rise on your feet with me. Never forget that the greatest sin is to remove God from your calculation. I've not got time to expand on that one. Romans chapter 1 verses 21 and 22 says that much. That because they did not retain God in their consciousness, God gave them up to a reprobate mind. 
I know he was talking about a different group of people, but as believers, we can learn from that. Always put God in your calculation. And his plan and his purposes shall be fulfilled in Jesus' name. Let's take three prayer points quickly, and I'll stretch my hand and pray for the church. Amen? Amen. 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 We'll pray. The Father should open our eyes that we may see. See him clearly in good times and in not so good times. Because if you see him in the situation, you can be sure the outcome will be better or actually will be his own outcome, not your own outcome. Neither will it be the devil's outcome. Open my eyes, oh God. Just talk to God. Uh, we'll just take the prayer points in quick succession. Please lift up your hearts unto him. And it's kind of prayer you pray, hopefully, with your hands lifted to the hands and say, Father, please open my eyes. Let me see you at all times. Let me not be fixated on the problem. Let me not be fixated on the issues. Let me see you clearly, oh God. Let me see you clearly. Number two, you will say, open my ears that I may hear you, Lord, in the toughest of times and in the best. May I hear you speak to me, oh God. As many as wants to hear him, the Lord will speak to them. Let me hear you. Let me hear you. Yes, Lord. Touch every department, every aspect of my life, I pray in the name of Jesus. And finally, you say, Father, show yourself in my life as my wonder-working God. Show yourself in my life as my wonder-working God in the name of Jesus. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. This year, you are saying, our year of wonder. Show yourself as my wonder-working God, oh God. Thank you, Father Lord. Do me good. Perform your great pleasure in my life, O God. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray. Father, hear the cry of your people. Do something new in this season. We called on you before we started at all. And I know the Holy Spirit has started this work. Perfect your good pleasure. Let it be clear to the world that we shall not be delivered to the hand of the enemy in the name of Jesus. And that, Lord, every prayer we have prayed as we enter into our seventh season, results will begin to tumble in in the name of the Lord Jesus. We thank you, Father, faithful and true you are. Jesus' most awesome name we pray. Uh, please, where, before you go, um, I sense in my heart we should have prayed for needs today. Uh, but I'm asking permission. When I was just going to step up, I said, Lord, I don't want to disobey you. Uh, we will spend a lot of time to pray for needs on Wednesday. So I need to retweak things. I need to go and write that down. And, and it's good we prayed. For more information on what you've heard, please visit our website at www.fountainoflove.org.uk. You'll also find other media presentations available to you. Stay blessed in Christ Jesus. Amen.